All right, we're going to do a thing called the Great Litany. And it's, uh, I've got this great little prayer book that is full of these ancient old prayers. Um, and we did this back, I think it was actually the first week we were online in, um, uh, in March. Uh, and it's, it's a litany of prayers, so it's like this list of prayers you go through. And so what, how it'll go is I'll say, um, I'll lead us in, and, and what you see in bold on the screen is what you say out loud together. And, and we'll, It's a way for us as a church to actually pray together in the same spirit, and it's kind of cool. And so uh, um, it might be clunky, it might be awkward, it might be weird, it might be unfamiliar, it might be hard. Uh, doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. So um, kind of... How I view these things is if uh, uh, if I went to like the YMCA to take a workout class, there's like a leader up front who knows you know the program and what's coming up, and will like lead everyone in all these stretches or, 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 or moves, and everyone's kind of there clunkily trying to um, follow the leader and follow the plan, and you're not going to get it perfect. So so that's kind of how I view these things is a way for us to kind of all get into the, the spiritual weight room, so to speak, and um, pray together and learn how to pray together. And so I'll invite you to um, assume a posture of prayer, whether that's like internally, maybe you need to find a quiet place, or maybe you're watching, you know, need to um, bring the kids in or give them some toys or whatever. Um, so it's a, it's a lengthy prayer, so it's not going to be quick, but I think it will be thorough and it kind of covers a lot of stuff. O God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth, have mercy upon us. O God, the Son, redeemer of the world, have mercy upon us. O God, the Holy Spirit, sanctifier of the faithful, have mercy upon us. O holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity, one God, have mercy upon us. Remember not, Lord Jesus, our offenses, nor the offenses of our forebearers, neither reward us according to our sins. Spare us, good Lord, spare your people, whom you have redeemed with your most precious blood, and by your mercy preserve us forever. Spare us, good Lord. From all evil and wickedness, from sin, from the works and assaults of the devil, from your wrath and everlasting condemnation, good Lord, deliver us. From all blindness of heart, from pride, vanity, hypocrisy, from envy, hatred, and malice, and from all lack of charity, good Lord, deliver us from all disordered and sinful affections, and from all the deceits of the world, the flesh and the devil. Good Lord, deliver us. From all false doctrine, heresy and schism, from hardness of heart and contempt for your word and commandments, good Lord, deliver us. From lightning and tempest, from earthquake, fire and flood, from plague, pestilence, and famine, and I'll add in here from COVID, good Lord, deliver us. From all oppression, conspiracy, and rebellion, from violence, 
battle and murder and from dying suddenly and unprepared. Good Lord, deliver us. By the mystery of your holy incarnation, by your holy nativity and submission to the law, by your baptism, fasting, and temptation, good Lord, deliver us. By your agony and bloody sweat, by your cross and passion, by your precious death and burial, good Lord, deliver us. By your glorious resurrection and ascension, by the sending of the Holy Spirit, by your heavenly intercession, and by your coming again in power and great glory, good Lord, deliver us. In all times of tribulation, in all times of prosperity, in the hour of death and in the day of judgment, good Lord, deliver us. We sinners beseech you to hear us, O Lord God, that it may please you to rule and govern your holy church universal in the right way. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To illumine all bishops, priests, and deacons with true knowledge and understanding of your word, and that by both their preaching and living they may show it accordingly. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To send forth laborers into your harvest to prosper their work by your Holy Spirit, to make your saving health known unto all nations, and to hasten the coming of your kingdom. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord to give all your people increase of grace, to hear your word with humility, to receive it with pure affection, and to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To bring into the way of truth all who have erred and are deceived, we beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To give us a heart to love and fear you, and diligently to keep your commandments. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To bless and keep all your people. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord. That it may please you to rule in the heart of our president and the president-elect and all in authority We pray that they may do justice, show mercy, and walk humbly before you. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To bless and guide all judges, giving them grace to execute justice and to maintain truth. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To bless and keep our armed forces by sea, land, and air, and to shield them in all dangers and adversities, we beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To bless and protect all who serve their communities by their labor and learning, we beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To give and preserve for us and for others the bountiful fruits of the earth, so that at the harvest we may all enjoy them. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To make wars to cease in all the world, 
and to give all nations unity, peace, and concord. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord, that it may please you to show mercy on all prisoners and captives, refugees, the homeless, and the hungry, and all those who are desolate and oppressed. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord, to preserve all who are in danger by reason of their work or travel. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord, to strengthen the bonds of those in holy matrimony, to uphold the widowed and abandoned, and to comfort all whose homes are torn by strife. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord, to protect the unborn and their parents, and to preserve all women in childbirth. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord, to care for those who have lost children or face infertility, and to provide for young children and orphans. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord, to visit the lonely and those who grieve, to strengthen all who suffer in mind, body, or spirit, and to comfort with your presence those who are failing and infirm. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord, to support, help, and deliver all who are in danger, necessity, and tribulation. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord, to have mercy upon all people. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord, that it may please you to give us true repentance, to forgive us our sin, negligence, and ignorance, and to endure us with the grace of your Holy Spirit to amend our lives according to your holy word. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord, to forgive our enemies, persecutors, and slanderers, and to turn their hearts. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord, to strengthen those who stand, to encourage the faint-hearted to raise up those who fall and finally, to beat down Satan under our feet. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To grant to all the faithful departed eternal life and peace. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord. To grant that in the fellowship of our church, all the saints, that we may attain to your heavenly kingdom. We beseech you to hear us, good Lord. Son of God, we beseech you to hear us. Son of God, we beseech you to hear us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Grant us your peace. O Christ, hear us. O Christ, hear us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. An old prayer written a long time ago. Um, you know, I... I don't have a, a sermon for you today. Uh, so if you're here looking for 
like a line by line exegetical exposition of scripture. Maybe come back next week. Perhaps that'll be here. Um, but I, I, I sense and feel the need to use um, this, this podium that God's asked me to stand behind and uh, to use the anointing and the gifting he's given me to, to, uh, to just sh- maybe offer you some words of life and offer you some possible ways to work through what you're possibly struggling with or maybe not wanting to struggle with. Um, I'll say, getting into this, I, I really struggle with, with, with speaking on this because on one level, I'm, I'm a person and I don't presume that my, my opinion or my, my attitude or my worldview on these things is um, needed to put out there for people. I, I, I often will, um, unless I really feel the Lord tap me on the shoulder and saying, speak to this issue, I, I will default to not. Um, for, for many reasons, um, but this is one where I d- most definitely... <laughs> Feel the Lord saying, you know, you, you need to shepherd people in and through this. And and I uh, and I recognize that I'm a pastor, and and like it or not, I know there are people who come here or are going to look this up, and they're going to wonder what it was, what does the church think, or what does the pastor think, and and I know that our spiritual leadership in days like today matter, um, regardless of where you lie on the partisan. Um, spectrum of things, uh, we are in a time where we need spiritual leadership, no question. And so I, I want to bring that to you and, and just humbly offer um, that to you, um, and 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 also asking for your grace. In um, it's been hard to sleep for the past couple of days, and uh, it's been hard to eat, and it's been hard to think. And uh, I it's a it's Thursday, and I am still in a state of kind of shock and disgust and you know how, how I, I know how we got here but how did we get here and um and so I, I i hope this is just kind of a frail offering to you to to possibly help you um and it's also hard for me because i don't like politics if you know me i am um, not a political person i if sometimes people ask me what i think about politics and i half jokingly but also kind of half seriously say i think they're all liars um, I know there's, I know there's good people. I am assuming there's good people trying to do good things, but, um, I am, I, my personal thing is like, man, I, I feel so, so homeless when it comes politically. I, I, I grew up in a conservative household and I grew up with Republican values. And if you were to force me on a spectrum, I would be more on the conservative end of things. Um, and, and yet that my, uh, faithfulness to Jesus and the scriptures also puts me at odds with some of the um, things Republicans have co-signed and have enabled um, and have just been silent on. And, and so where that has put me as someone who's not a political person, it's put me in the crosshairs with my liberal friends who think I'm uh, Republican and my Republican friends who think I'm left of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> you know, so I kind of, I just cards on the table, Drew as the person, I, I, I really, I have got, I've got problems with, with a lot of it. And I, I don't feel an allegiance necessarily to 
one or the other. And I always say to, to people, uh, you know, I, I don't feel allegiance to the donkey or the elephant. I feel allegiance to the Lamb of God. And I, that's not a trite saying. I, I truly believe that and feel that. Um, and yet, with all that being said, politics is important. And so we have to, um, in this moment, because it's relevant in the context this year, we need to speak to it as Christians, okay? Um, wh why should we talk about politics? You know, it's fascinating. The, the world I grew up in and was trained in, there was no playbook for, hey, um, you know, whenever the, the, the president incites um, a riot and an insurrection and a, a, a terrorist attack on the state capitol while they're trying to uh, certify an election that he clearly lost but won't accept. Um, the Sunday after do this. I, I didn't get that training, and I, and, but the training I did get was don't ever talk about politics. That was the training I got, was do not talk about politics. If you want to have a church that grows and doesn't die, don't talk about politics. And so what's, what's interesting is um, in our church, everyone probably about age 50 and up has that expectation is that their pastor would not talk about politics because that's the world you grew up in if you're 50 and above. And somewhere under there, I don't know where the clear line is, but you get the point, somewhere younger than that, you have like the opposite. You expect uh, leaders to share uh, explicitly at times what's going on. And so... Um, that becomes hard for a lot of, so if, you, if you're ever wondering, like, why doesn't the church talk about this, whether it's our church or the church in general, one of those reasons is the, one of the good things about the body of Christ is we're, we can be, we have the potential to be very diverse as Jesus' disciples were. And one of the challenges is how do you in a public setting bring as many people along on an issue without creating um, fights, uh, but creating dialogue. So so we're, we're always trying to figure out, Lord, how do we, in an appropriate way, talk about these things. Um, but as a, a, a colleague of mine that I look up to, Esau Macaulay, said yesterday, uh, these days are days where Christians need to speak plainly. These are not days where we should fool around or dance around the bush. We are in very tricky days. And what we need is Christians and Christian leaders who will speak plainly without the fear of what uh, partisans, partisanship will do. And so um, I would, I'd, I'd like to speak plainly to you about some of these things. Um, I've talked to many Christians in this political season that I knew was going to be crazy. I didn't know necessarily fully how crazy it would be, but I knew it was going to be nuts. And it's been it's interesting to, to talk to many people who legitimately love the Lord deeply and yet um, say, I don't talk about politics or I don't care about politics or we don't discuss those things. And um, I understand that because I used to be there. I used to have that, um, that mentality. And somewhere in the last two years, I've, I've begun to grow from that and begin to learn how I, I'm not sure... I, I don't think that's the most healthy position for a Christian to have. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, in, in, in probably the purest sense of what politics is, politics is 
the ordering of the life of a community. I don't know if that's an official definition, but I think at its best, any type of politics, whether that's in a church or in a family, in a neighborhood, in a city, state, government, world, nation, you know, what politics and policy are trying to do is bring order to our life as a community so where the most shalom can be had by the most amount of people, where human flourishing can happen, right? At its, I think at its purest point, that's what politics should be and what it could be. Our problem is our politics have become partisan and it's largely become a game and a war. And so that leaves uh, people who are marginalized and people who are uh, in need and on the underside of situations in very tricky situ um, scenarios. And it leaves Christians, people who take the teachings of Jesus seriously in some precarious situations. And so if you're here and you're like, why is he talking about politics? It's because politics affect real life. And um, there's lots of precedent in the scripture on um, what, what God said. I mean, for example, he raises up Moses to go to the government to say, stop the injustice, let my people go. And we celebrate the Passover. This little thing comes from Christians, leaders, going to the government and saying, let God's people go. That's wrapped up in this, okay? Didn't mean to do that. So there are lots of examples in this book of God calling men and women and his people to speak to the government to say, no, no, no. Uh, Amos 5.15 is one of those, which I might read here in a moment. Um, Jesus said we should love God with everything we have, with our mind, heart, soul, and strength. We should love God fervently. And if you know that teaching of Jesus, you know he didn't stop there. You know he added one right after that, and he said, and the next one is not just to love God with everything you have, but to what? Love your neighbor, sorta. <laughs> not what he says. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as you would your own spouse, your kids, your family. And then someone has a question about, well, who's, who's my neighbor, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which the point is, no, 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 not, it's not who's your neighbor, it's who are you a neighbor to. That's kind of the point, right? So here's the deal. And this is what really has changed my mind on going from, I don't think about politics because it's all messy and gross and I'm disgusted with it, to, oh my goodness, I must think about it. Politics affects our neighbors. And if Jesus teaches that it's not just about the love of God, but it's also about the unselfish love of your neighbor, and that, that those two things fulfill everything in this book. And if politics brings harm to my neighbors as a follower of Jesus, I have an obligation and a calling and a responsibility and an opportunity to do mission. And so 
we have to talk about politics and you should learn how to talk about politics in your family, which we can't do. Families are being ripped apart right now because of this stuff. In our churches, from your pastor, in your groups, in our world, we, we need to learn how to talk about these things because life matters. Our neighbors get affected by these things. And I believe we will give an account. We will answer to God on, on, on some levels of how we allowed our neighbors to be transgressed and oppressed and killed while we look the other way. Ignoring politics is not loving your neighbor. That's my contention to you. And it's challenging because I think a lot of us probably see what happened Wednesday and have seen what's happened the last four years and what's happened in more times than that. And a lot of us are disgusted by it all. And our challenge is, how do we love our neighbors? Politics affects our neighbors who are widows and orphans. Politics affects our neighbors who are children. Politics affects our neighbors who are sick our neighbors who are poor. Politics affects our neighbors who are refugees and immigrants and foreigners. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you recognize what I just did there. That's, that list, which is only the partial, is called the vulnerable quartet in the Old Testament. The four people who are vulnerable that God in the Old Testament commands his people to look after, the widow and orphan, the sick, the poor, the foreigner. So anytime you talk about immigration, the foreigner, we should be talking about it from a kingdom of God perspective, not from a tax perspective, not from a build the wall and kick them out perspective. We should see what is God's heart towards the foreigner and we should mirror that. That's political because of the teachings of Jesus and we have to, in that example, with the poor, with the sick, with the widow and orphan, the abused. We could expand that today to include more. We for sure have this summer talked about how do we love our neighbors of color who are in multiple ways processing grief on multiple levels today because they were told they can't protest over an injustice and the National Guard was sent in to tell them to go home and arrest them. And that same president who told them you can't protest and I'm going to send the National Guard after you is the same president who incited a mob and told them with his words to march on the Capitol and then went to the White House to watch it on TV. And then that same president was not the president who called on the National Guard. The vice president had to be the one who activated the National Guard. And even then, you can ask, how is it that all these people got into Nancy Pelosi's office? The, there's a serious question that very few people are asking, but some are. If it was Black Lives Matter on the Capitol, I think the response would be different. You can't tell me the response would be the same. And so our neighbors of color are without, I'm not assuming this, I know this. They are hurting because of how our government and how policies and how presidents 
treat them in ungodly ways. And Christians, especially Christians that have my skin color, cannot be silent or ignorant about that great sin of our country. That's a love-your-neighbor issue. It's not a Republican-Democratic issue. You can hear all the amens. What other neighbors do we have? We have, we have neighbors who have uh, disabilities and mental illness. We have neighbors who are suicidal. The, our politics that we don't want to talk about affect our neighbors who have disabilities. Whether that's a physical disability or a mental disability, I know firsthand the pain of multiple people in our congregation who either have a physical or mental disability or mental illness or, or have someone close in their family. And I know, I, as a pastor, I've been on the front rows of, these, uh, of this, specifically lamenting the fact that we live in a state that is Christian and that is largely politically Republican, and yet we live in a state that is one of the worst states to live in if you have a mental or physical disability because of policy. Many people don't think about that. If you have uh, schizophrenia or cerebral palsy, you don't want to live in Texas because of policy, because of politics. If that offends you, I'll ask you to come on a ride along the next time I have a pastoral counseling session with a family who is trying to figure out how to, how to make it and be a Christian and be conservative. Come along with me. I'd like to hear what you say to them and how you pray for them and how you sleep that night politics, I hope you get the message, it affects how we love our neighbors and how we pastor our neighbors and how we minister to people in our church and in our community. This is not about red or blue. I, I, I reject the partisan nature of that stuff because I know it affects real lives and real lives in our church. You know how we had to love one of our neighbors in our church this year who has multiple disabilities and is having a tough life with life and who came to the reality of, I can't live in Texas and have a life of peace and shalom because of Republican Christian policies towards the sick and the hurting. You know what we had to do as a church to love our neighbor? We literally, I'm not, this is not hyperbole. As a church, we showed up and packed their stuff, packed a U-Haul, and someone from our church drove that U-Haul over multiple state lines to help move this person to another state where they didn't know anyone but one person so that they could get a shot at better care for their life. And as they were moving, they asked me the question, Drew, how can Texas be Christian and Republican and yet have some of the worst policies when it comes to mental and physical disabilities. I didn't have an answer for them other than the system is broken and politicians don't care. And he asked, well, where are the Christians? And I said, I don't know. I hope you hear the, 
I don't love politics, but I love you and I love people. And we have seen this year, if you've needed any proof, of how destructive politics can be to people that God loves and that we love and that you love. And what I'm contending for is the Christian response is not doing this and ignoring it. I don't see how that is a Christian response, but it is often the Christian's response. It is often the church's response. It is often our politicians' response. And I, I believe it is the Christian's duty to say we, as followers of Jesus, are called to do more than that. Politics is important, and the reason why I am disrupting what our plan was on this Thursday, the day after this stuff at the Capitol happened, is because these are terrible days, and we've been in terrible days. And these are days to speak plainly because we've got a challenge when it comes to loving our neighbor through politics. If, um, if we were having coffee and you said, Drew, what are, like, how, where do we go from here? How, how, what can I do? And you weren't angry and ticked off at me and ready to storm out, which you totally can do that. Um, I would offer you the two things I'm doing and the two things my close friends are doing, the two things a lot of our leaders here in the church are doing, the two things a lot of my colleagues um, around this country in ministry are doing that I, that, that I am in connection with. And they're, they're, very two, they're just really two simple things. Um, I think they're starting points. They're very, very, very simple. Uh, they're also very, very hard. And simple things can be hard. And I, I want to offer them to you as perhaps a gift that might not feel good, but it might be a necessary next step for you. And I just want to offer it to you. And I want to offer you to consider it deeply. Um, the first of these simple things is to fully recognize what happened on Wednesday at the Capitol. To fully recognize where we are as a country of people, neighbors living in the same land. And I, I, I don't want, uh, at, at the risk of uh, offending people who voted for Trump, I, I want to encourage you to fully recognize what the last four years have been. Usually when I mention that to people, they, well, what about taxes? What about pro-life? What about, could we set that stuff to the side? Can we just talk about the character and the effect of that character? of the president and what that has done to your family, your children, your church, your own nervous system, your sleep, 
our country. We need to fully recognize and come to terms with where we are. Just as God comes to Adam in the garden and says, where are you? I hear him saying to us, not just to Americans, but to the American church, where are you? And how did you get here? There's no use going forward if you don't fully understand what happened at the Capitol and what didn't happen. To use the word President Bush used, insurrection. Do not quickly rush past this event. This is like a 9-11 event. This is a where were you when JFK was shot event. This is a significant event. And it's, it's I'm guessing all of us are just in this like, oh, 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 how am I supposed to go to work today mode? This is terrible. And I want to give you permission to sit there and grieve and lament and process the profound failure of a lot of things, but at least the failure of the President of the United States this week. The, the second thing is, after you do that and get sad, um, I think you should start discerning how and where God is calling you to engage in this realm of loving your neighbor in this political, social realm that I don't love to think about or be in, but is necessary. Here's the deal. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're a city on the hill. You're to be peacemakers. Um, you are to be agents of reconciliation. Paul talks about that. God's actually given us this gift of the ministry of reconciliation. In Corinthians, he talks about that. Um, you know, one of the things about salt is uh, you know, when Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, he's not saying, hey, you're the flavor on top of everything. If you haven't noticed, the world doesn't need more flavor. You ever seen Lady Gaga? We don't need more flavor. That image of salt Jesus teaches about is one of pushing back decay. And it is very hard and um, to look at what has happened just in the last few weeks, months, years, decades in our country, I think it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a question worth asking, how are we being salt? How are we pushing back things like greed and idolatry and falsehood and hatred and all sorts of impurities? And, and often it, it stops at caring for the life of the unborn, which we care about. We have neighbors who are unborn. We should care for those. There's also a lot of other issues we should care about, and I think we should care about the character and the disposition of the leaders we, we choose. I, I will make a very strong statement here, and I, I, 
I sometimes get pushback from people to them when I make it because they're uncomfortable with me making it and they think I'm judging someone. I'm not judging someone. I'm just stating a fact because a lot of times people claim Donald Trump to be a Christian leader of the Christian party. And we even saw flags at this thing that happened yesterday with Jesus' name on it, which is the definition of taking the Lord's name in vain, by the way. Um, Donald Trump doesn't display, I, I don't see any signs of him being a follower of Jesus. Um, for one, he doesn't know how to hold a Bible. He holds it like a dirty diaper. I'm, I'm being serious. Uh, if you read the Beatitudes, he is the opposite of who Jesus commends in the Beatitudes. If, you, if you've never thought about that, write down the Beatitudes and then on another sheet of paper, write down the opposite of them. And we have on the opposite the president that we've had. We could take the definition of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Does that sound like the president we've had? Just by reading his tweets, does that sound like the president? No, it doesn't. We could take the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness. Do any of those sound like this president that so many Christians have supported on the basis of one issue? I know I'm pushing buttons here, but, but, but you need to hear from a pastor. He may claim to be Christian or to be the friend of Christian, but I have serious concerns of whether he has actually met God. And I'm not judging him. I'm just, fruit doesn't lie. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. And when it comes to leaders, especially significant leaders that have the power to inflict great harm or health, we sh I think it's our right to, to see is, are they motivated by the love of God and the love of Jesus Christ? I'm not talking policy at this point. I'm talking as a pastor theologically. Do not say you're doing these things in the name of Jesus, but not have the way of Jesus leaking out of you. And it causes problems for Christians who actually do care about these things when we talk about them. So those are the two things I would offer to you as I am processing all of these things in real time, on a Thursday, not knowing what's going to happen, if anything happens, recognize what's going on and get clear-headed about it and discern, Lord, what does this mean for me? What work do I need to do? How do I need to get educated? It's not fun. It's not, it's not without its mess. It's not without its hang-ups. It, it's, it's hard work. Sounds like following Jesus to me. As always, if um, you need help doing that, um, again, we are not a partisan politics church, but it, many people have have you know silently come to me either through Instagram or texting me or emailing me or or, or in conversations have asked, "Hey, how 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 do you even get news?" How do you even think about, how do you decide who to vote for? How do you, we get a lot of these things and it's our joy to sit down and, and kind of not tell you what to do or what to think, but to help pastor you through that. If, if you're in that spot, I get it. Sometimes I'm still there. We, we love to 
to help in any way, or, or if anything, just to sit there and lament and go, yeah, it's a tough, we're in a tough season right now. Um, so I think that's all I should say. I, um, my hope and prayer is, is that this might either encourage you and challenge you at the same time to realize we're not in Kansas anymore. And we haven't been for a long time. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we have to really think deeply about what loving our neighbor looks like in the most fullest ways. And, and that requires wrestling with these things. It's, it's not clear cut. So how's that for church? Father, I, uh, I just want to surrender all of this to you, and I surrender um, just even how I feel right now in my body. I don't like this stuff. It's hard, and it's often confusing, and mostly it's mostly heartbreaking. We ask for you to reveal where you are near to us, and, and, and I, I pray for my, my friends, my, my, my church people who are listening, who are looking for some semblance of hope or direction or encouragement. Lord, I pray you would be with them where they're at. Encourage where there needs to be encouraged. Bring hope where there needs to be hope. And bring challenge and truth and prodding and correction and instruction where, there, where that is needed in all of us, including myself. Lord, we surrender everyone and everything. And teach us as a church to be a beacon of light in a world that doesn't know how to talk about these things with love. Lord, help us as a church to be salt and light and uh, people who inhabit your presence on the good days and on the tough days. We love you, Jesus. We need more of you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, we love you. I know this is tough, difficult and tough. Um, God bless you. Peace.